0: All right. Good morning, Faith Church. What's going on, everybody? Come on. We said every, we, we believe that Jesus, he's the hope of the world. So whoever you are, whatever you're going through, your issue, your hurt, your heartache, or your habit, if you'll open up your life to Jesus, we believe it'll be the greatest decision you've ever made. Come on. How people already know that's true. Come on. Let's give God some praise today. Come on for his grace and his goodness in our life. Well, listen, I'm excited. It is the month of November, and uh, for the last several years, God put a put something on my heart to kind of take the month of November to launch a series that went pretty well. And it's this idea of learning to say no. Everybody say no. No. That there are some things that you and I ought to say no to in our lives. Now, a lot of us, right, men at least, we step into the month of November. The only thing we say no to is no shave November. And I'm just going to tell you, not shaving doesn't do a lot for you unless it helps you look like Rip from Yellowstone, which I'm going to be honest, I'm man-crushing on him. (laughs) But other than that, like saying no to shaving is not really a big win, but there are some things that you need to say no to. There are some things in your life that you should say no to, make you a better person, take you in a better direction, move you closer in your relationship with Jesus. There are some things that through these series that we started about five years ago that we leaned into, the very first series that we did was entitled No Fear November. There are some things that we need to learn to say no to when it comes to fear. Went over well, God really used the series to speak to a lot of us and move us forward in our spiritual journey, and so the following year, I think 2018 or 19, I did a series No Doubt November. There's things we struggle with in our doubt and uh anyways every year i've done this series and so i moved into this year wondering if god would give me another opportunity to go this direction and so i think there's some things that we still need to say no to everybody say no yeah. come on lawrenceburg florence shows one more time one two three yeah. we got to say no to and so through this series i want to encourage you to make sure that you're on board make sure if you can't be here you tune in or catch up later we're going to say no to things like saying no to rejection saying no to a fear of failure and today is a really big topic that I think a lot of us, if we're honest, we wrestle with, and it's saying no to a fear of the future. Now, the reason I know a lot of us wrestle with this topic, a lot of us have a fear of the future is because it's something that if I'm honest, I wrestle with. It's something that if you just lean into what's happening on a national scale, we are the most drug generation ever. We subscribe, or we prescribe more, uh, more drugs and pharmaceuticals for anxiety and fear than any nation ever. And so we do wrestle with anxiety we do wrestle with fear and again a lot of it when we're honest it's just the fear of the future why because when it comes to the future the future is uncertain and things that we don't know is some, something that in us that creates this fear creates this anxiety or maybe on the other side the reason we have fear about the future is because we're certain it's not going to go so well i mean let's be honest in this room i think there are a lot of things that we wrestle with when it comes to a fear to the future let me just ask this question. How many of you, were in, we just came out of the month of October. How many people like scary, scary movies or scary shows? Come on, Lawrenceburg, wave your hand. Right, listen, I'm just telling you, you might like those shows, but Jason isn't real, Michael's not real, The Purge isn't real. If you really wanna be afraid, watch the stuff I watch on TV. You say, what are you watching? I watch it like a lot of Nat Geo and a lot of Discovery. Listen, a lion eating your face off is a lot more scary than Jason, who's not real. This is a fact. Nature is scary. Let me give you another one, a show I've watched, and I've actually read lots of articles on this topic. And one of the scariest shows I've ever watched wasn't, right, wasn't on sci-fi, it was on Discovery Channel. And the title of the show was Ten Ways the World Could End. Doomsday. Ten Ways the World Could End. It actually was so popular it came up with season number two, 20 Ways the World Could End. Now you just gotta know this, that the conversation that was happening in this show was not a group of people sitting around thinking up magical ways that, like, hey, wouldn't it be crazy if these are like astrophysicists these are scientists these are doctors these are people astronomers that are really saying these are realistic ways that they anticipate that this world is going to end and it leans into this fear that a lot of us have that a lot of us have a fear of the future when we consider like life on a global scale what's going to happen to this planet let me just help you lean into five or six of my favorite from the show these are ways that scientists are anticipating this forward end. number one is a killer asteroid gonna hit this planet. Think Bruce Willis and Armageddon, except nobody goes launched on a rocket and splits it in two, we die, (laughs) number one. Uh, Number two is, I thought it's interesting, is a rogue black hole. The scientists believe that, you know, a lot of us, we've heard black holes, that black holes have such a gravitational pull that nothing can escape it, everything gets sucked into it. And some scientists believe that black holes can kind of be random and pop up, and they believe that there could be a black hole that pops up in our solar system. In best case scenario, I don't know if you caught that, best case scenario is we get sucked into the black hole and die. One more time. That's the best case scenario. Worst case scenario is it has just enough gravitational pull that it pulls us out of our orbit and either flings us into the sun or flings us into space. We either burn up or we freeze. Woo! Yeah, baby. Something like. I didn't have a fear of the future until I got to church <laughs> number three my favorite uh, nuclear war this is something very real I don't know if you're paying attention to what's happening on, 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 the, on the global stage but uh, Iran uh, North Korea they're, they're jacking up their nuclear program we got lots of nukes Russia's got lots of nukes Chinese have lots of nukes everybody's mad at each other everybody's carrying nuclear footballs ready to push the button if someone pushes the button everybody's pushing the button and we're bye bye that's going to happen that's kind of, here's one. When I first heard this, I'm going to be honest. I got kind of jacked up about this one. Uh, scientists are concerned about a gamma ray burst. When I heard that, I thought there's a chance I could become the Incredible Hulk. <laughs> That's not what happens with this. A gamma ray burst, something that comes from the end of the universe, could sweep through and blow through our solar system and over our planet. And with a matter of minutes, we could all die from radiation poisoning. And those who survive radiation poisoning, from, uh, we would die from not being able to breathe anymore. That's pretty amazing. Here's one. Here's one volcano, volcano hyper eruption, which means like it's not just one volcano blast like Mount St. Helen. It would be basically, there would be this explosion from the center of our planet that would rip us apart. Some scientists are worried like that's not gonna happen. It's just a matter of, of when, not if. And here's one, I'm actually doing some research in my dissertation for my PhD that I'm processing in. Some of this goes this direction. There is a lot of people, and this is, gro- this is a growing concern of an AI or robotic takeover. Think the matrix or, or terminator. who's glad they came to church today yeah so like i mean let's be honest as we lean into the future there are scientists like hey it's it's just a matter of time this planet's over we're done there's ecological disasters there's nanotechnology disasters there's like there's all this stuff and it's just a matter of which one hits us first we're gone and a lot of us when we lean into the future we have a fear of the future because on a global scale there's a lot of concern and if you don't have a concern about what's happening on a global scale, let's just be really honest and I'm gonna step on some toes here. A lot of us, we have not just a global fear, we have a national fear. And when I say national fear, it's because some of us in this room are watching this message. A lot of us, we have this idyllic idea of what this world or our nation should be. And some of us were afraid we're gonna lose it. And some of us were afraid we don't have it and we're never gonna have it. Like some of us we were afraid of takeovers. You're afraid of immigrant takeovers. You're afraid of progressive takeover. You're afraid of a socialist, uh, socialism takeover. Some of you are afraid of conservative takeovers. Some of you are afraid of gun takeovers. Am I ta- Some of you are afraid of LGBTQ takeovers. And when you look at the world you grew up in, you're afraid you're going to lose it, and so you have a fear of the future. Some of you never had it, and so you have a fear it'll never come because of what's happening. And if you don't have a global concern and you don't have a, a national concern, let's just be honest. A lot of us, we have personal fears of the future. A lot of us who are watching this, some of you are here, you're students. And your fear of the future is do you get in the program? And if you get in the program, if you get in the school, can you, can you compete? Can you get out? And if you get out, what's your student debt loan gonna look like? And You have a fear of the future. Some of you, you have career concerns. Like I'm talking real concerns, stuff that keeps you up at night. Can I get the job? If I get the job, can I keep the job? Can I be successful? A lot of us, come on, let's just lean in. Let's just be real today. A lot of us, our fear of the future has to do with our finances i just read this they dialed it back once more they keep dialing back when social security is going to be gone i just found out social security be gone in 13 years i turned 50 this week roushous applause which means uh basically social security be gone just in time for me to not get it Woo! that's awesome we have fears can we pay our bills can we provide for our children? What does the future look like? What's the stock market look like? It's just a matter of time for this bull market comes crashing down. What does it look like? Will cryptocurrency really last? Come on, we have some real fears. Can we feed our family? We have physical concerns because we have a sickness. We've been diagnosed with the sickness. Our family has a sickness right we found out we're pregnant with the child and it might have a sickness or or we did the 23 and me and we found out we might potentially have this thing that my granddad had or my mom had and i might have it And if i have it i'm going to die early and all of us like we have the weight of the world on our shoulders when we look at our personal lives or relational lives am i going to do life alone will i ever find somebody i found somebody but it looks like it's going to turn out bad so our relationships our finances our future globally lastly let's be honest if we all talk about it there's a lot of fear of the future And if you weren't afraid yet, God's word says this, but know this, that in the last days, perilous times will come. Jesus, right on the heels of that, Jesus says, be sure that you will have tribulation in this world. So here's a crazy thing. Some of you walked in and said, I had no fear of the future till I got to church. Thanks a lot, Pastor Steve. (laughs) But what I wanna do as we step into this conversation today is I just want us to be honest that sometimes we go through difficult seasons where we look at where we are and what we're going through. We look ahead at the future and wonder, what does it look like? Are we going to be okay? Am I going to make it? And in the midst of all of those conversations, the Apostle Paul chimes in with this incredibly optimistic phrase that I would love for you to latch on to, catch a hold of, and walk out of this room with. Here's what the Apostle Paul says in feeling the same weight that you feel. He says this, we are always confident. Everybody, let's say that together. We are always confident confident now you can say like he might be always confident but i'm not always confident how did the apostle paul in the midst of feeling some of the same fears that you have same of the con- some of the same concerns for the future that you and i have how could he look at that and honestly say you know in spite of what may come i'm always confident we are always confident do you know how you could say that it's not because he was an eternal optimist it's not because he was just having a good day the reason the apostle paul could always be confident no matter what the future held is for this reason right here. And you and I can latch on to it as well. Confidence comes from God's faithfulness in our past and God's promise in our future. Come on somebody, because he wasn't just looking at what he was going through, he was looking at what he had come through. He was able to look back in the rearview mirror, and this is just really important. The apostle Paul, he went through some really tough times himself. He had lots of concerns about his future. And here's what he found out. He said, you know what? On a national scale, I have found out that God has always been faithful in the nation of Israel. God made a promise that a barren man would give birth to a nation, his neighbor, name was Abraham, and he did. God brought my nation, brought my people out of slavery in Egypt, he said he would, and he did. God fed us by manna in the morning, quail by night, he led us by a fire by night and a cloud by day. God was faithful in the wilderness, God has always been faithful. God brought us into the promised land by Joshua and he delivered on his goods, God's faithful. Come on, I wish somebody in this room or somebody in Lawrenceburg served a God who was faithful. Anybody here got a testimony about God's faithfulness in your past? and so when he faced difficult days with concerns for the future he was able to look over his shoulder and say God wasn't just faithful on a national scale God was faithful to deliver his promised messiah that Jesus showed up out of prophecy in the old testament and he ultimately came and he laid down his life and he died on the cross and asked according to his promise he rose on the third day so he would often say I don't know what I'm going through and I'm not sure what tomorrow holds but I know absolutely who holds my future and so if you're here and you're struggling for confidence for an unknown future what i want you to know is that you can look back in your rearview mirror and celebrate god's faithfulness in your life and not just but god's faithfulness in our past but god's promise for our future because the apostle paul he knew he had this insider secret that god was in control and what god was going to do and i stepped onto this platform wondering if i was going to have a conversation with you maybe about the book of revelation right a lot of times we have concerns when we talk about the future the antichrist and tribulation period and the rapture and If you're new to church those are all weird terms here's what you need to know about the book of revelation here's the culmination of the message of the book of revelation is in this broken painful sick upside down hurting world here's god's promise and here's his plan for every single one of us it's found in revelation chapter 21 watch this i want us all to read this together then he who sat on the throne said behold i make Come on, y'all got to say that with confidence. God said, behold, I make all things new. I make broken things new, sick things new, diseased things new, upside down things new. Come on, separated things new, disunified things new. God says, I'm about to heal everything that's ever been broken in this universe. So the stuff that has you up at night, God has a plan to fix it and make it whole. Behold, I make, and come on, you got to, it's the one on the throne. It's the one who has authority. It's the one who's in the position to do it. Behold, I make all things Everybody say no. You got to say no to a fear in your future and the way that you do that is by always being confident no matter what you're facing. God has been faithful in your past and God has a promise for your future. So I want to lean into though maybe a very personal conversation and a story that happens in the life of Jesus and maybe more specifically how it pertains to you. So we've talked in the past about the gospels. So Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the first four books of the Bible, again, they're they're a biography of the life of Jesus. And the reason those documents were left for us to read today as contained in the Bible, the reason those are there, two reasons. One, so we can know what Jesus has done. So we can know that Jesus carried our sin on the cross, died for the sin of the entire world, including you, including me, and he rose from the dead. But the purpose of the gospels is more than that. It's more than just to let us know what he did. It's to let us know equally important who he is. So as you read it, you get an idea. Okay, Jesus wasn't just a prophet. He wasn't just a good teacher. He wasn't just another religious figure. As we read what we see in the gospels, we get a clear picture and a clear conviction of who Jesus is. And Matthew chapter 8 paints that picture perfectly. And I want us to read just a couple, and we're gonna read three headlines and a couple scriptures, all found in Matthew chapter eight. Now, just quick thought, when the original documents of the New Testament were written in antiquity, the way all people would write back then is they would take an animal skin and they would write with ink. They didn't have paper and pen. And so they write on an animal skin, they would roll it up, and it was called a scroll. Those documents have now been interpreted and put on paper in a book that we call a Bible. So back then, the original documents of the New Testament, they didn't have verses, they didn't have chapters, and they didn't have headings. Those were added later to help us just to navigate and find our way. But the headings I'm about to read, while not originally inspired, are still helpful to help us understand not just what Jesus has done, but who Jesus is. Here's the first heading found in Matthew chapter 8. It's probably similar in your Bible, and it's this right here. Jesus heals many people. And here's the verse whole verse but i just want to read one says this in matthew chapter 8 verse 16 come on let's read this together that evening many demon-possessed people and were brought to jesus and he cast out the evil spirits with a simple command and he healed come on i want us all to say those last three words together and he healed all the sick so what I want you to see is that there is this group of people, group of people who are looking for help, looking for an answer, looking for a solution. And the Bible says in the in the topic in the heading Jesus heals many people, it's 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 not it, what do you need to know is it's not a percentage it's everybody who came to jesus who was sick jesus healed cancer patients jesus pe- healed people with tuberculosis jesus healed people with arthritis jesus healed people who had organ issues and limb issues every single sick person who came to jesus jesus healed all all the sick, all the sick. number two number two here's another here's another heading in john chapter eight jesus heals two demon possessed men now demon possession is really kind of a crazy conversation we can have and I don't want to lean too hard into it other than I'll tell you this you may not personally believe in demon possession I believe in it because Jesus taught it and he believed in it and I always go with Jesus amen anybody good going with Jesus amen. so what you need to know is ultimately we talked about this for the entire month of October that there really is a real spiritual battle and if you're not paying attention and you're not really open you can open yourself up not just to demonic oppression but possession and Jesus encountered that in his ministry And specifically, he comes across these two guys, and I love it. Jesus doesn't even say anything. He doesn't even do anything. He just gets in the room. He just gets in the environment, and all of a sudden, these guys are upset. Just let God show up in your presence. Allow God just to get in your home. Just allow God to get in your marriage, and he will disrupt what the enemy's trying to disrupt. And it says this, watch this, Jesus shows up on the scene with these two demon-possessed, just one verse out of the story, one verse out of the story, verse 29, let's read it. They began screaming at him, why are you interfering with us, son of God? And you go and read the rest of the story. Ultimately, Jesus takes authority over these demon-possessed men, casts them out of these people, sets them free, allows them to go into a herd of swine, they run off the cliff and drown. Go ahead, Jesus v for victory number three heading are y'all tracking with me number three heading Jesus calms the storm now you don't have to be in church very long to eventually come across this story you grew up in church been around church grew up reading the bible this is a this is such a foundational story in the life of Jesus that people tell and it's found also in Matthew chapter 8 so again Jesus heals many people Jesus heals demon possessed men and Jesus calms the storm here's the story Then Jesus got into a boat and started across the lake with his disciples. Suddenly a fierce storm struck the lake with waves breaking into the boat, but Jesus was sleeping. And the disciples went down and woke him up shouting, Lord, save us, we're going to drown. Jesus responded, why are you afraid? You who have so little faith. Now stop. How many of you in this room, in Lawrenceburg, in, in our show's campus, watching online, how many of you can think about a moment in your life where you were, where you were absolutely like, overwhelmed with fear, like you almost was in an accident, or you were in an accident and you survived, or you got really bad. How many people have a moment in your life you can point to where you were like deathly afraid? Wave at me. So think about your worst moment, that's what they were feeling. As I thought about this, I got a lot of bad moments, unfortunately, but I think of one moment that came to my mind. I actually had to look it up when it, when it happened on the calendar and it happened January 31st, 1986. Some of you weren't alive then, I hate you. <laughs> January 31st, 1986, I was a freshman in high school and the reason that day stands out, two things happened. Number one, I happened to decide to stay home from school and I actually looked this up. This event happened at 1133, 1133. Anybody else love sleeping to the crack of noon? Wave at me come on, there's my people. So I stayed home, I was sleeping, I, I did nothing that day but sleep in. I was abruptly waking up at 11.33 a.m. January January 31st, 1986, by a 5.0 Richter scale earthquake. <laughs> I have never been in an earthquake. How do you handle an earthquake? All I know is I woke up, the house was shaking, my mom had a thing with plants and I don't care how much I thought I was a nerd happening in my room. She wouldn't let me take it out. So I had a rubber tree in the corner of my room that I woke up to that was shaking and getting down. (laughs) And for about 30 seconds, I didn't know what have never been in an earthquake. I thought I knew what happened, but I'm afraid is the house going to come down? I didn't know anything about Jesus. So he might've been coming back. I don't know. I might've wet myself. Maybe not. I wouldn't admit that in this setting, But when you think you're about to die, like, come on, it's like, Jesus, where are you at? So take your worst moment, take your greatest fear. And that's what the disciples are feeling. Now, here's the question. We read this story and we're offended because Jesus has the audacity to look at his disciples and say, why are you afraid? i imagine in that moment peter wants to pull jesus aside so imagine there's a storm wind blowing water going into the boat and all the disciples are standing there because they've all went to jesus like jesus wake up like don't you care we're about to drown like what's going on and and jesus is like hey why are you afraid well because we're about to drown jesus and i feel like peter has to explain it like okay jesus here's why we're afraid let me just break it down for you he's looking at the other disciples like i don't know okay so Jesus we're in a boat right well water's getting in the boat if too much water gets in the boat the boat goes in the water and because we're in the boat that's going in the water we go in the water and because there's a storm like some of us can swim but like Andrew he's not really a great swimmer Matthew like he's been a te- he can't swim at all mom didn't get him a YMCA pass and so if we go into the water the water goes into us we drown and die and Jesus you're asking us why why are we concerned because we're we we do not want to drown that's why And the reason we're offended at this story Is because we're offended at Jesus And if you think the point of the story Is that Jesus doesn't understand their fear You've missed the point of the story See the point of the story Isn't Jesus doesn't understand Their rational fear that they might drown The point of the story The point of the story Is we miss We miss the point That Jesus is shocked Jesus is surprised that they have any fear at all. The point of the story as we read it is Jesus wants you to know when he's in your boat you don't have to worry about it. Right. See because how I know it is Jesus I love Jesus. Jesus is not a man of words always is a man of action. And the way he puts an exclamation point on saying to them, "Hey, here's why you shouldn't be afraid." Is this right here. Then he got up and he rebuked the wind and the waves and suddenly there was a great calm. Watch this. And the disciples were amazed. Who is this man? This. Who is this man? They ask that even the winds and the waves obey him. Here's what Jesus is saying, right? Jesus is standing here and he's saying, I don't understand why you're afraid. If you're afraid, it's because you have your eyes on the storm instead of having your eyes on your savior. And in the moment when the wind still, God qualified, Jesus qualified who he was. You can have confidence because I have all authority over everything natural, everything spiritual, come on, and everything physical. If you're going through a battle physically, I've got authority over your sickness. You're going through a spiritual, battle i got authority over that you're going through a national battle i got authority that the purpose of matthew chapter 8 was to establish for all of us forever who jesus is that there is no storm no sickness no disease no battle no fear of the future we will ever face that our god does not have complete control and authority over he's in control and so in that moment watch the reason we're afraid is because we have our eyes fixed on our problems And what Matthew chapter 8 establishes is that you can take your eyes off of your problem and you can put them on a person. And while problems are impersonal and they don't care how bad they hurt you, the person of Jesus, shifting your eyes from a problem to a person, you can shift them on a person who loves you, who cares about you. The Bible says that you are engraved in the palm of his hands. Your hairs are on your head are numbered. Your tears are stored in his bottles. Your days are written in his book. He knows everything about you. He knows what's coming, and he's already there, and he is prepared to work in the season that you're afraid of and do something fantastic, but we got to shift our focus off of our storm and onto our Savior. This is what David did. How did a young 14-year-old boy walk onto a battlefield and get victory? Because every other soldier that was afraid to fight Goliath, all they could see was the greatness of Goliath, but David saw the greatness of God. That's why he said, you come at me with slings and arrows, but I come at you in the name of the Lord. Come on. I'm going to put my eyes on Jesus. Come on, somebody. So watch, watch. This is crazy. So Jesus is establishing for us. Now, if you're here and you're not sure about Jesus yet, I'm glad you're here, but I hope there's something mounting in you or something being established in you that maybe you're leaning into who really Jesus is. Because the point of Matthew eight was to set forever, not just what Jesus did, but who Jesus is because two chapters later you get to Matthew chapter 10 and Jesus needs to make sure his disciples knows who he is. And here's why. Cause now he's getting ready to send them out into the world. The entire ministry of Jesus, it was Jesus doing all the preaching, it was Jesus doing all the healing, but now he's going to send his disciples who've been walking with him, who've been watching him, who've been learning from him, he's saying, I'm getting ready to go back to heaven, you need to take over the ministry, so he hands off the baton, he says, now you need to go do the preaching, now you need to go do the healing, now you need to go proclaim the gospel. And so Matthew chapter 10, Jesus is getting ready to send the disciples out, and he calls them together, he's like, boys, you ready to go? And they are fired up, let's go. And then Jesus listen, I got to tell you a couple things before you go. Number one, as you go out, I just need you to know that I'm sending you out as lambs among wolves. Woo! Wait, what? Yeah, I'm sending you out as lambs among wolves, which means just so you know, it's probably not going to go so great. In fact, Jesus specifically says these things. I'm going to send you out as lambs among wolves. You're going to be arrested and put in prison for my namesake. People are going to stone you and they're going to beat you. And you're going to be hated by the entire world. Now who's ready to go? Team on three. One, two, three. <laughs> At this point, Matthew's like, can I just go to the nursery and hold a baby? <laughs> like, that's, that's our new appeal to faith church. Listen, you can either go die, be put in prisons, prison, stone, and the world hates you, or you can hold a baby. Everybody's like, I'll hold a baby. <laughs> how, how do they step into that kind of uncertain future? How do they walk into that kind of fear because Jesus established in his life that's recorded in Matthew 8 I've got authority over everything over everything physical everything natural and everything spiritual which means you are surely going to face some tough times I want you to hear this listen if some of you grown up in church or you watch tv church and You've heard some preacher tell you if you love God enough, if you give enough money, you'll never face any problem. I want you to know they lied to you. You will absolutely face problems. I hate to tell you, but some of you in this room or some people you love are probably going to get sick. We're going to face tragedies and heartaches. Maybe some of the things I talked about might happen. Maybe Russia does come in. Maybe the Chinese take over. Maybe our borders are overwhelmed. Maybe progressive takes over. Maybe liberals takes over. Maybe conservative. I don't know what's coming. Here's what I know is Jesus said, absolutely, you're going to suffer tribulation. God's word says anybody who desires to live godly in Christ will suffer persecution i'm telling you at some point in your life you will probably face hell on earth the promise of loving and following jesus is not a promise to protect you from anything this world ever throws your way the promise is you can have peace in your persecution and your trouble because of who's in control when you shift your focus off of the problem onto a person and so jesus rallies the troop and says okay guys are you ready to go into this world and live this thing out it's gonna be bad It's not always gonna go the way you want. And then he says this, here's, here's here's the goal, here's the climax of everything I'm trying to tell you. Jesus looks at him and he says this. Do not be afraid of those who kill the body. Wait, what? That's exactly what we're afraid of, Jesus. Don't you remember the whole boat thing? We're afraid of somebody killing the body. Don't be afraid of those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Rather, be afraid of the one who can destroy both the soul and the body in hell. What is Jesus saying? Jesus is saying, if your biggest concern is something in life killing you, that thing, that problem, that situation doesn't really have authority. He says, there's one who has all the authority. This is not a threat of hell. This is a confirmation of authority. He's saying, the person you ought to really focus on isn't all the people who can deliver on all the problems. It's the person who can deliver on all the promises. It's the one that even the worst thing that you think can ever happen to you is your body getting killed. That's not really the real problem, because the real person isn't this body that can be broken that ages. The real person is the soul on the inside that Jesus died to save. Remember what he said in Matthew chapter eight. He says this. Jesus responded. Here's the question: As you wrestle, if you're concerned, if you have got a fear of the future, if you're concerned globally, if you're concerned nationally, if you're concerned personally, here's the question: Are you ready? Jesus asked it. Why are you afraid? You who have so much little faith. They didn't have little faith. They had all kinds of faith. You're like, pastor, what are you talking about? Jesus said they didn't have little. They had all the faith in the world. Their faith was in the storm's ability to kill them. See, here's what I want you to know is all of you in this room, you have all kinds of faith. The question isn't how much faith you have. The question is, what is your faith in? Because that's what faith is. Faith is confidence. Take If you're, if you're taking notes, faith isn't the opposite of fear. If you've ever been told that, that's not true. Faith isn't the opposite of fear. Faith is appropriate fear. Faith is putting your confidence in the right thing. My confidence isn't in asteroids. It's not in China. It's not in takeover. It's not in politics. My appropriate faith is in the fear of the Lord who's bigger, greater, or more powerful than all that stuff i choose to trust my savior so we can either focus on how big goliath is or how big god is we can choose to focus on the storm or the savior we can see the problem or we can see the person and when we choose to see the person some level of peace and confidence comes that i might still face troubles and i might still face problems but the one i love and the one more importantly who loves me is in control and there is a peace in an uncertain future when I know who's in that future. How many people here would like to have a little bit of peace? So here's why all this story, as I'm telling you all, Matthew chapter 8 and Matthew chapter 10 is because at some point in the early history of the church, they got it. They face everything that Jesus said they would face. They face persecutions. They face tribulations. They face all the same problems that you and I face. They face financial problems. They face relation, relationship problems. They face money problems. In fact, specifically persecution problems, when you get to the end of the Gospels, the book of Acts takes over, which is a history of how the Gospel spread. I don't know if you know it, but extra biblical sources stuff outside the Bible tells us that there really was a person named Jesus I don't care if you don't believe in Jesus history tells us there was a person who was known to be the Messiah his name was Jesus and whether people Who even wrote it believed in the resurrection the message of the resurrection was everywhere and because the message of the resurrection was everywhere The message of the good news that even though you're a sinner There's a Savior and he died for the sins of the world that message exploded in the Roman Empire and because it pushed back against those in authority and power in the Roman Empire, the Roman Empire pushed back on Christianity. And you can read the stories of how the persecutions broke out. I would encourage you, if you're a reader, if you're looking for a good book, I recommend a good book. You want to read a good book? Read Fox's Book of Martyrs. It's story after story after story of people who lost their lives for the faith, especially those in the early history of the church. And the reason I tell you that is because they faced in horrible things. They faced literally being fed the lions. They faced literally being caught on fire. They faced being hung. Look at the lives of the disciples. Andrew was filleted alive. Peter, he was crucified upside down. James, he was every single one of the disciples were martyred for their faith. How did they keep their sanity in the face of such fear? Because they chose not to focus on the one who could kill the body. They chose to put their trust in the one who could kill the body and the soul, the one who was really in charge. And so in around 190 BC or 190 AD, about 200 years after the establishment of the church, we read the story. If you love history, let me give you a piece of it. There's a guy, how many people saw the movie Gladiator? So if you've never seen the movie Gladiator, it tells the partial history early on the Caesar, the guy in charge of the Roman Empire, Marcus Aurelius gets killed. Marcus Aurelius was a real Roman Caesar around 190 AD underneath of his rule there was a doctor this doctor's name was claudius claudius what a great name claudius Gainus. claudius was a doctor he was a physician and he was a surgeon during this time it was illegal to look at a dead body you couldn't touch a dead body you couldn't do anything away it was illegal so the way they advanced surgery and the way they advanced uh doctoring in that day is even though you couldn't touch a body once it was dead the best thing you could do is you could look at bodies that were dying Where you know where you could find a lot of bodies that were close to death at that time, you could find them in the place where Christians were being persecuted. You could find them where they just got mauled by lions, where they just got stabbed by swords, where they just were caught on fire. And so, this doctor by the name of Claudius Glanus, he would go in and he would look at these bodies and he would find all these Christians who were close to death. And you know what he found? They weren't afraid. And some of his writings have been found and he actually mentions Christians, even though he wasn't a Christian, he mentions Christians four different times. Here's one of the quotes that's been found in antiquity that he had to say about Christians who were close to death. Here's what he said. For fearlessness and death and the hereafter is something we witness in them every day. Let me say it again. For fearlessness of death and the hereafter is something we witness in them every day. He was saying, as I go and I inspect the body, the dying body of this guy who was just mauled by a lion or a person who was just caught on fire or a person who was just stabbed and they're about to die, they weren't afraid of death. And they weren't afraid of the hereafter. Instead of people shuddering like, what's going to happen? I'm afraid if I shut my eyes, I'll never open them. Hold me, help me. He said, what I found is these people that were close to death, but they had this insatiable confidence. They were always confident, even though they were about to pass over. Why? Because they weren't focused on the problem. They were focused on a person. They knew somebody held their future. They knew somebody was going to work all things together for good. They knew somebody was going to make all things new. So what do you do when you face the fear of the future? How do you get to the other side? Because the worst thing you ever face, are you ready? I'm almost done. The worst thing that this world will ever do to you is kill your body. That's it. See, this world has a concern with that. But that's not the real you. The real you is secure in the hands of Jesus. This might sound like nihilistic thinking, but this is biblical thinking. The worst thing that can ever happen to you is you lose your physical life but you gain a spiritual life through jesus jesus said it this way jesus said in john chapter 11 he said he said jesus told her i'm the resurrection and the life anyone who believes in me will live even after dying so if an asteroid hits you if you die of a sickness if you die through tragedy if you don't make it through whatever thing that might come your way might come our way might come the united states way might come the global way the worst thing that ever happened to you is you, you lose the body. But if you have put your trust and your hope in Jesus, even after you die, you still live. Because it's not just about the body, it's about the soul. The Apostle Paul, let me tell you his story as I close. The Apostle Paul, he writes what I'm about to read while he was in prison. He was in prison for preaching the gospel and the, the Roman Empire didn't like it, so they arrested him. And he wasn't sure what his future would hold. He wasn't sure they're going to let me out of prison so I can go continue to preach or are they going to kill me. Spoiler alert, the apostle Paul died for his faith. He was beheaded by the Roman empire. But before he was sure what would happen, he wrote this as people was asked like, are you gonna get out of prison? Are you not gonna get out of prison? What do you think is gonna happen? Here's what the apostle Paul said, facing an uncertain future. Here's what he said, Philippians chapter one. He said, for I fully expect and hope that I will never be ashamed, but that I will continue to be bold for Christ as I've been in the past. He's saying, no matter what I face, no matter what I go through, here's what I know is I wanna make sure that I stand bold for Jesus. And I trust that my life will bring honor to Christ. Watch this, whether I live or die. And I want everybody to read this together as we close. For to me, living means living for Christ and dying is even better. A more traditional way that this has been said is King James Version says this way, for to live is Christ, but to die is gain. He's saying, if I, if I live, if God gives me another day, if the, my greatest fear of the future doesn't come to pass, then I'm gonna live for Jesus. And I'm gonna live with boldness and I'm gonna live with confidence that he's in control. But if the worst thing that could possibly happen in this world is I die, to live is Christ. But to die, it's even better, it's gain. Because I get to be with him. I recognize the world we live in is uncertain. Our future isn't as fixed as maybe some of us hope it is. But I want you to know your faith in Jesus and a confidence that'll carry through that you can always be confident if you will shift your focus on whatever your fear is to the one who has authority and his name is jesus will you all stand to your feet and i want to pray for you come on if you're here and you maybe have an uncertain certainty about the future you have a fear about what maybe what's tomorrow i want you to lift a hand right say man i just need a little more peace in my life i need some confidence that god is with me father over this room i pray in the name of jesus that god you will bring a peace That Paul had. You'll bring a certainty that the disciples had, that God, even going out into an uncertain world with the promise of persecution, with the promise of tribulation, God, somehow they still went because they knew you were in control. Lord, help us to know Jesus, who you are, that you have all authority. You're 100% in control and you care for us. And so Lord, as we follow you, let us find a new hope, a new peace, a new confidence to not fear the future, but to trust you in all things in Jesus' name.